is going to be the final message of the title, Living Lives of Sacrifice. We've been on a journey. We've seen the glorious truth that our bodies are the new dwelling places of the Holy Spirit. And the same spirit that powerfully existed in the first ever tabernacle, that existed in the Ark of the Covenant, that existed in the Holy of Holies of the first temple, this a new residing, the new residing dwelling place of the Holy Spirit is now within us. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit desires to be just as powerful, just as present, just as alive in our bodies, soul and mind as he was in those Old Testament models. There's a show that I love to watch on TV. My kids make fun of me for it, but it's called Rick Steves Europe. Anybody know what I'm talking about, Rick Steves Europe? All right, good. All right. You know, okay. Um, I love watching that show because it just takes you all over the world or in those places of Europe that I'll never get to go to. And uh, it's just fascinating to see some of the places and the culture and the history. And uh, it's just really fascinating. And one of the reasons I love to watch it is because he takes you to old, centuries-old churches and cathedrals. There's a couple that I've recently looked at. This is, this is one in Seville, Spain. It is the Seville Catholic Church. It's the third largest church in the world. It was started in 1401 and completed a century later in 1506. It's the largest Gothic-style church in the world. also has the largest altarpiece in the world as well. It's thought to have been designed by French architect Raoul Cathedral. Cathedral was his last name. I think we have an idea where that name came from, where that word came from. Raoul Cathedral. It's a huge building size of it is over 11,520 square meters. That means you could, we, we, we compared everything to football around here, don't we? That means you could put two football-size fields back-to-back, uh, -back, over two-and-a-half football fields inside of this building. That's how big it is. 42 meters, that's 137 meters high. Just a huge, huge building. The, the side chapels that you can see one right there, is large enough to fit many churches inside of just one of the side chapels. This church in Seville, Spain, is said to hold the remains of Christopher Columbus. And here is a picture of that. There's an altar for you. Look at that altar. It is an altar that has 45 carved scenes from the life of Christ. It's made of wood, and it's overlaid with staggering amounts of gold. An incredible edifice in Seville, Spain. There's another one in the Vatican City called St. Peter's Basilica. It started the same year that the Seville Catholic Church was completed in 1506. The designers, the architects, Donato Bramante, Michelangelo had a part in planning this, Carlo Moderno and Gian Lorenzo Bernini. It's rumored that the apostle Paul is buried underneath the main altar of the church. The dome that you see there is 450, 448 feet high. Again, by a football field, that's nearly a one and a half football fields turned up on end. That's how high that dome 
is. The tallest dome in the world. Outside dimensions is 376 feet wide, built of travertine stone. Just an elaborate, incredible building. What's my purpose in showing you these buildings? It's in keeping with our current theme of living lives of sacrifice. What do I mean by that? Each of these churches had an architect. They had a designer in mind. And as they were planning, as they were dreaming, and as they were sketching this out, they had a goal in mind for these buildings. One goal and one goal only, and that was for the purpose of worship. Worship. Listen, just as Raoul Cathedral dreamed and designed the Seville Church to be a place of worship, just as the multiple builders and architects of St. Peter's Basilica dreamed that their place would be a place of worship. Now hear me out on this. This is where we're going to transition. So too did God the Father desire and design and create our bodies, the new temple of the Holy Spirit, to be a place of worship. Got that? Worship. These Buildings, these houses, these temples of ours are to be places of worship. If you think about it, worship has always been the desire of mankind. They've always had a deep desire to love, to adore, to give one's life and one's heart for something or someone. There just seems to be an inner craving that you want to give yourself to something or someone. I believe deep within the heart of mankind is the need to internally and externally express adoration and praise to some higher power, some deity, something or someone more powerful than themselves. Folks, I believe that you and I here today and everyone around the world has a desire deep within the heart mankind wants to worship God. So many people are looking for it in all the wrong places, but they have a desire to worship God. I want to go back to our principal text that we've been preaching out of for the last four or five weeks. You don't have to turn there, but Romans 12, 1 and 2. But this morning, I'm going to read from a different translation. This time, I want to read from the revised standard version that goes like this. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Well, isn't that interesting? That now begins to take on a whole new world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice there, obviously, I underlined it, but notice how it says, which is your spiritual worship. The Greek word used for worship in this passage is a word called latria. And it really stands to work for hire or pay. Originally means to work for hire or pay. This denotes a laborer or a worker who voluntarily agrees to work for pay. 
to serve for wages in return. It also means that to which one gives their whole and their entire life to. Their entire and whole life to. So when you now look at this verse and you see that we are to present our entire bodies as a living sacrifice unto God, Latria tells us that this means we are to give everything, our entire mind, soul, body, everything is to be given to God. And when you do that, you become a form of worship to Him. If you've never thought of it like that before, really hit me when I began studying this. When Latria is used in the Bible, it always means one who gives their whole and entire life for the service to and worship of God. Sorry, I need to format that just a little bit better. That says one who gives their whole and entire life for the service to and worship of God. Well, my wife's not here this morning, and I need a water. Thank you, Mandy. Brian, they both jumped up. Excuse me. (coughs) What does it look like? What does it look like to give one's entire life and their entire being towards something? We could probably go around the room and just ask for examples. Is there someone that comes to mind that has, they're all in. They've given everything in their life to a cause or to something. There is probably multiple names that we could think of, but there is one name that comes to mind. I'll leave you guessing here for just five seconds. Thank you. To me, a person, Billy Graham, there are others, but that's just one that came to my mind. Someone who has Latria, his life, given his entire life for the cause of Christ. Billy Graham, listen to some of this. Billy Graham is 96 years old. He has preached to more people. Now think about this. He has preached to more people than any other human being that has ever lived. He's preached for nearly 70 years in 185 different countries. In his lifetime, he has personally preached to 215 million people. But with TV and satellite and modern media today, that number with the airwaves and shows, he has preached to 2.2 billion people. 2.2 billion people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ through Billy Graham. At one place in Seoul, Korea, back in 1973, he preached to over 1,120,000 people at one time. He has counseled every U.S. president from Harry Truman to George W. Bush. That's 11 total presidents. He appeared on Gallup Poll's list of most admired men and women a record 55 times. Why do you think that is? I believe because he's given his entire life to Jesus Christ. If there was ever a man who epitomized living a Latria life for God, it has to be this man. 
So in this case, true worship, and, and you can't tell me that his life has not been a form of worship to God Almighty. In this case, true worship is one's entire life. Takes the place when one freely gives God their body, ready and willing to sacrifice whatever he asks and whatever he asks us to do it. If you know the story of Billy Graham, he had a crisis of faith early in his life. This is a whole other message. It's a whole other sermon, but I'll just say this. There was a man that he came up with, Charles Templeton. How many of you remember that name, Charles Templeton? All right. Charles Templeton was an incredible speaker. He just could ooh and awe the crowds, and he was an evangelist back in the 40s and 50s. And uh, he was looking for someone to come up and, and minister to the youth at all the crusades and all the uh, events that he was speaking at. And there was this young man coming up in the ranks named Billy Graham. So he asked Billy Graham if he would join him, and the two of them joined together, and they began to do crusades and uh, revivals all across the country, and huge crowds were coming. And, and long story short, Charles Templeton turned his back totally on Christ, and he became an atheist. Hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, just a tragic story, and he has passed away. But during this early time in Billy Graham's life, we're told that Charles Templeton really made Billy Graham think about if there really is a God. Is there really a God? And Billy Graham tells in his story that he came to a crisis of faith to where he had to make a decision. He had to sacrifice something. He was going to sacrifice everything that Charles Templeton and some of his doubts and worries and fears was telling him, or he was going to sacrifice it all and just give it to God. And it was at that moment in his life I believe when he was in his 20s, when he sacrificed everything to God. And he said, I may not understand everything, but I know what God has done in my life. And I'm going to move forward. See, there comes a point of sacrifice in all of our lives to where we have to make a decision. Being ready, being willing to sacrifice whatever it takes. You see, this is the highest form of worship. That's why our text this morning said to be a living sacrifice is worship to God. Listen, when we begin doing this, we'll begin living holy lives of sacrifice. Romans just told us that when we do this, it will be pleasing and acceptable to God. So a question I have for you this morning is, what really does it mean to worship? What is worship? That's one of those words It's like, How do you describe it? How do you define worship? What does it mean to worship? Let me put it simply for you. Worship is anything that you or I do that pleases the heart of God. Period. Sound too simple, doesn't it? Anything that you or I do that pleases the heart of God is worship. Anything. Now just stop and think about it for a second. Everything and anything that we do involves our body, and it also involves our what? Mind. See, we're coming back to the mind again, aren't we? This seems to be a common theme that just keeps popping up in this series, the mind. And when you willingly sacrifice whatever God requires of you, which includes your body, 
the temple of the Holy Spirit. Any habit or any vice, any mindset, any bitterness, any envy, any gossip, anything that is unholy with our ears or with our eyes or with our mouth or anything with our body, when the Holy Spirit reveals it to us, we are willing to live a life of sacrifice and we will give it up to the Lord. And when we do that, you become a form of worship to God. The last time we met, we talked about making sure that our minds and our bodies are pure before God. God tells us to be pure. God tells us, he says, be ye holy as I am holy. And if there is anything unholy or sinful in our lives, we must be willing to sacrifice it. And this mindset is something that you and I will have to embrace for the rest of our lives. That sounds painful, doesn't it? And at times there would be pain involved with that. But you'll never have the fulfillment in life. You'll never have true contentment and peace in life until you're willing to give it all. Until you're ready to give God whatever it is he's asking at the moment. But listen, this entire concept of living lives of sacrifice, being an act of worship, is not only limited to living holy lives. It also involves what you're good at. What do I mean by that? Whatever skills God has given you, church, give it back to him as a form of worship to God. Let me go a little bit further. Kent, Brian, Ryan, Don, as you use your God-given skills to run sound and PowerPoint and the video service as you take care of the church's computer needs, as Brian creates his masterpieces of video, whatever he does, do you guys realize that you're offering worship to God? Is God not pleased with that? Every person who has picked up a shovel or a rake over the summer and has been a part of the Living Waters ministry, do you think that's not worship to God? Anything that you do that pleases the heart of God is a form of worship to Him. Frida Schott, Rochelle Yoder, and everyone else involved with Super Thursday, every time you freely give of your time to serve those in need, you're worshiping God. I know Mary's not with us, but Linda Witter, you're here. Mary Edwards and Linda Witter, every single time that they get on their hands and knees and they scrub a toilet, they're offering their bodies as a worship to God. You see, anything that you and I do that pleases the heart of God is worship to Him. Anytime you give God bitter feelings, hurt feelings, anytime you give God your rights, oh boy, I'm going to meddle here, anytime that you and I give God our rights to hold on to how we were hurt and decide to allow the Holy Spirit to take it, you're sacrificing your mind, you're sacrificing your heart, you're, well, they hurt me, they said that to me, they said this to me, I have a right to snub Any time that you sacrifice that to the Holy Spirit, you're offering up worship to God. You see, because it involves our bodies, 
It involves our mind. It involves our heart. And we are to be a living sacrifice unto God. And when you do that, it's holy and pleasing. It's a wonderful form of worship to God. Mm. True worship, listen, true worship comes when you offer to God your body and everything you do with it. It does not come. Now, I, I, I put up some of those pictures of those incredible buildings. And in those buildings, I'm sure, have been many rituals and liturgies and very formal forms of worship. Real worship does not necessarily come through those. Real worship comes as we offer our bodies to God every day of our life. Yeah. This is why our translation text today says that we are worshiping God when we live like this. And then there's a third way. That living lives of sacrifice becomes an act of worship. And that's through times of fear in doubt. Listen, um, these past couple weeks have been rather rough with Merck. It's just our time. Everyone has a time. It's just our time. And then this past week when a doctor looks at you and says, I'm 99% sure that you have ovarian cancer, And then when you wait for about six hours for the surgeon to come out, and he came out last night, and and he said the next 48 hours are critical. Life comes to a standstill real quick, doesn't it? For our family, this is when the battle began. And as many of you already know, because you've experienced things as well, The battle becomes a battle of the, doesn't it? Battle of the mind. Stephanie said this week that it seems that most of life's battles are battles of the mind. So true. We experienced this truth this week. Our minds became a battleground of worry, fear, and doubt. And what's interesting is when you think you've given it to the Lord, it just, you know, after about an hour or two, it just kind of creeps back in. And you begin to worry and fear and doubt again. But did you also know that our minds can also be a place of worship even in times of fear, worry, and doubt? This too we experienced this week. Whenever you get that dreaded phone call, Whenever the scary diagnosis comes. Bad news of any sort. It will cause you, church, to do one of two things. It will either drive you away from God to where you will try and figure it all out on your own and you're going to lose that battle every time. Or it will drive you to the Lord and His Word. This too we experienced this week. There's ten people this morning that I asked to come up. And I want them to come up at this time. Those of you, you know who you are. There should be about ten of you. 
So if you'll come up at this time. Shelly, you can just come on up to the front pew. And uh, Shelly has a hard time with steps, so I'm just going to have her uh, sit on the pew. You see, when the battle rages, and this is key, folks, if you get one thing and one thing only, get, get this. When the battles in your life rage and you turn to God's word and believe, it's not enough just to turn to the word and just allow fear to continue to hurt you. When the battle rages and you turn to God's word and you believe in his word, your mind, which was once a battleground, all of a sudden becomes a temple. All of a sudden your mind and your body becomes a place of worship. A tabernacle, a sanctuary. When the battle rages and you choose to believe in the following words that you're going to hear, you'll see what I mean. There is no particular order. I'm going to have Shelley go last. I'm going to have... Christy, go first, and when she's done, the next person, just get up. Listen to the words and believe in the words. You with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Second Timothy 1, 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Psalm 112.7 He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Psalm 20, verses 7 and 8 Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They will be brought to their knees and fall. We will rise up and stand firm. Psalm 62, 7 and 8. With God rests my salvation and my glory. He is my rock of unyielding strength and impenetrable hardness, and my refuge is in God. Trust in, lean on, rely on, and have confidence in him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us, a fortress and a high tower.
Psalms 56, 3 and 4. What time I'm afraid, I will have confidence in and put my trust and reliance in you. By the help of God, I will praise his word. On God, I lean, rely, and confidently, confidently put my trust. I will not fear what can man do who is flesh do to me. Isaiah 43, 1b through 3. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Thank you, folks. Thank you. I don't know if you noticed it, but that's just a few. There's hundreds and thousands of those. And I don't know if you noticed it, but there were several references in those passages that referred to the mind. It goes back to the mind. I have to tell you, church, that when our family was going through this, and we continued to go through it this week, and some of you are going through things this week, I'm telling you, when Stephanie and I purposely, she has these prayer cards that I'm now starting to take with me, and it's just a stack of cards that are promises and our prayer cards, that they're promises that what we just read. When we began to get those out, and we began to read them, and then we began to believe them. And then when we began to believe them, we began to thank him. And then when we began to thank him, we began to worship him. You see, even in those times, those battlegrounds of worry, doubt, and fear, you have to be willing to sacrifice your mind to God's word. Sacrifice your mind and your heart to God's word. And when you do, even your times of fear and doubt can be turned into times of worship. You want to know how do you get through times like that? That's how. That's how. Let me try and bring this in for a landing. As we talked about the magnificent church buildings, I believe that every designer and every architect of those buildings we showed you, I believe they had a vision in their mind. They could see the masterpiece in their mind. They, they, they knew what they wanted it to look like. And, and uh, they could just, they may not have been able to stay alive long enough to see it come to fruition, but they knew in their mind. And some of them didn't see it. But there had to have been a point when some did see it when they said, Good. This is very good. This is just what was envisioned. This was just what we pictured. This was the exact thing that we wanted. I believe that when God created man in the garden, he created us body, soul, and mind. The Bible tells us that God saw everything that he made and he said it was very good. Church, when God created and fashioned you in your mother's womb, he stepped back and he said, good. 
this is very good. This is just what I had in mind. This child that I've just created, this body that I've given, is perfectly suited to do one thing. Worship me. Worship. When God created you, he created you to latria him. To worship him. To give him your entire being to him. Everything. You are perfectly suited to give God everything. God has enabled you to give him your heart your soul, and your body so that he and his spirit can dwell within you. And when God is able to fully dwell within, your lives will be acceptable and pleasing in his sight. And when this happens, that's when you begin to worship him. That's when you will begin to truly live and find your ultimate fulfillment in life. Listen, God created you Warts and all. <laughs> blemishes, blemishes and imperfections. Tall, short, skinny, wide, hair, no hair. Dark complexion, fair complexion. He created us all. When he created a one-of-a-kind temple, you are a temple if you have God living in your heart. When he created that one-of-a-kind temple, a place that includes the body, soul, and mind to worship him, he created you to worship him in beauty and in holiness. Listen, we were made to worship the Lord God Almighty. And our worship begins in our mind. We can worship him, worship him in how we live our lives, how we work and play, and we can even worship him in our times of pain, fear, and doubt. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this, at this time. So based on that message, what do you think we're going to do right now? We're going to worship him. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's taking place in your life. This just might be a time to where um, you just need to give God whatever it is. Hmm. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Lord, I thank you that you've helped me this morning. Lord, I thank you that you have reminded me that in the times of sorrow, the times of pain, the times of worry and doubt and fear, that I can still worship you. Because, Lord, as you opened your word to us as a family, and God, we trusted in your word. We felt that peace that passes all understanding. Jesus, we felt the peace that you talked about in John 14. My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, but as I give. Lord, maybe there's someone here this morning that's torn up inside. They're going through something. And Lord, during this time of worship, they just need to give it to you. 
They need to they need to decide with their mind and then with their heart that they're just going to trust you. Irregardless of what doctors say or irregardless of what people say or irregardless of what the circumstances may say, that we're going to worship you. We're going to trust what your word says. Yes, God. Lord, maybe there's someone here that's still struggling with something in their life. They're just not, they're trying to let it go, but they can't let it go. They don't want to let it go. And it's keeping them from truly living a life that is pleasing before you. Oh, God, this morning, their life can be a life of worship, a life that is pleasing to you. Father, this is your time. We love you. We worship you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to do a number of songs.